Hey there, Gianni here. This is a special episode we're bringing you that we recorded live at the Perth Games Festival in November uh, at the Perth Town Hall. Uh, but first up, we just want to say thank you to our sponsors, Murdoch University School of Art, who help support the show and allow us to bring it to you every single fortnight, including this one where we're on our holiday break. Uh, Murdoch University School of Arts has a range of different courses and degrees that are cross-disciplinary and allow you to pick up skills in lots of different areas that will contribute to a competitive position when you enter the workforce. You can pick photography, you can pick game design, you can pick journalism, a whole range of different things that work with all the different sub-disciplines and you can pick units from anywhere. If you'd like more information about that, you can head to the Murdoch website. You can just search Murdoch University School of Arts on your favorite search engine and you'll be able to find more information about that. Right now though, let's jump into our episode live from the Perth Games Festival in the Perth Town Hall in Perth, Western Australia, I guess. Let's go. All right, see you later. Hello, hello. I'd like to like to welcome everybody to Perth Games Fest, and um, my name is Mitch. I'm from a podcast known as Pixel Civ. Um, we are a Perth-based video games podcast, and we explore the indie scene and everything to do with what people are making here in Australia and New Zealand and around the world. So joining me today is my co-host Sarah. Hey, Sarah. Hello, and it's Pixel Sift, not Pixel Sived. Okay, you just got here like two months ago, so yeah. Hey, hey man, at least I'm getting the name right. Okay, yep. All right, and joining me are J- uh, Jack and Yo. Matt. Hello. Uh, they are from Collateral Damage, and uh, the, jo- the boys from Singularity, Josh and Gus. Hello. Hello. Excellent. So the theme of today's show is pretty much what it's like to show off your first game to a live audience, which a lot of developers here are just getting familiar with. Some of these guys have been here a while. In the case of Jack and Matt, you've actually had quite a bit of experience. Yeah, we've actually been developing now for about almost two years now. We've been at last year's Perth Game Festival and this year's PAX as well today. And One one thing I forgot to ask you both to do, both uh, sets of developers, is give us a short rundown of your game and what it's all about. Uh, we'll start off with Singularity. Uh, it's a bit of a mouthful. It's basically a um, uh, co-op 2D platformer uh, based in kind of a sci-fi world. Right. So based in the sci-fi world, um, the gist of it is that both players are made of energy. Um, one player can collide with one type of energy. The other player can collide with the other type of energy. And using this, they have to kind of work together to get through this experiment. Um, that's the general sort of idea. And collateral damage? Well, Collateral Damage is a hover-up brawler arena game where you're hovering robots wrecking each other. It's basically meant to be like a mashup between the brawler genre, similar to like Super Smash Bros. and the MOBA genre. So yeah, robots beating the heck out of each other. So what's it like um, being here at Perth Games Fest? What do you guys get out of it? Well. I don't know about those guys, but we're more about trying to build a community. Uh, it's also good to just like see what everybody else is developing, get as much feedback as possible, try and polish the game off, and yeah, make the best possible game we can. 
Yeah, we're also as well hosting um, and preparing for our online beta that we'll be doing at the early points of next year. Shameless plug. So if you're interested, grab a card, check out our website. Online beta's there. Uh, this is our first time doing this sort of thing, actually. And it's probably the first time we've had sort of a playtest this big. Um, we've been working really hard trying to get it ready for the festival. Uh, so we were pretty keen just to show everyone, um, see how everyone felt about the game, and try and get a better idea of where to go from here. Um, so it's pretty exciting. So what has that preparation been like for you guys as very young developers? Absolutely insane. Our work ethic goes all over the place all the time. Um, these last two weeks have been a massive crunch and we sort of pushed ourselves a bit too far at one point. Uh, but we were constantly just, you know, trying to polish it as much as we could because we want to try and impress people. So is Singularity a student project at the moment, is that correct? Uh, yeah. So, so what's that been like doing a student project? How has that been as far as like a first game? How has that experience been for you guys? Um, it's been kind of interesting. You get grouped up with a bunch of people and you just kind of have to work out how to be a team for the first time. Um, no one's really too used to that. No one's used to the different processes involved, um, making different roles work together. And it's just been a lot of trying to get used to that, but also keep the game ideas in mind and make sure we're following the same goal and we're always on the same page. So how did you know that your game was finally ready to be shown to the world? We got to a point where the gameplay felt solid enough. Uh, most of the major bugs have been squished. And it was really just a matter of as much visual polish as we can do. Because the gameplay is fun and it feels quite solid. Um, after that, it was just, again, these last two weeks trying to do all this fancy extra stuff that didn't necessarily need to be done, but it would have added to the experience. So for you guys in Collateral Damage, you've exhibited your game a few times now. What's that been like and how has it kind of shifted over each time you've exhibited and how has that kind of changed the game every time you come away from an event like this? Well, each time that we've kind of shown our game, we've gotten like a lot of feedback, trying to slowly like improve aspects of the game, polish it off, just basically make it as... Because our game is actually quite a complex game, lots of controls to learn. Each character has like different skills and abilities, as most brawlers, MOBA-type games do. Um, so there's a lot of complexity to it. So a lot of us, what we're doing is trying to make it as inherent as possible for players to learn the controls and stuff like that. So for us, our game never really feels ready. It's just a case of testing as much as possible and making it as good as possible. Does it currently have all the content that you intend for the final game to have, or do you intend to add more characters, more levels? This applies to you guys too for Singularity, but Collateral Damage, can you guys go first? Yeah, we have actually a stack of levels. Actually, I have a whole bunch of content uh, that has been produced after packs that we don't have in our current build, but yeah, we've got um, another eight maps, and we have three heroes, um, and all those heroes and all those maps are gonna be having to go through a vigorous testing process. Um, so everyone will have a chance. It's actually half the reason why we're doing a, we need to do a beta as soon as possible so we can do that testing, do that iteration, and do like with all those different pieces of content. Cool, so for Singularity, how finished is your game is? Do you intend to add more levels, you know, more characters? How far along are you guys in your development stage in that respect? So the, there isn't going to be more characters and such. Um, obviously, sorry, <laughs> there isn't going to be more um, characters added to the game because it's just the two for now. It's part of the story. 
yeah, at the moment, there's not much of the story implemented. We're obviously going to go much, much further with it. Um, and also, loads of polish and such. And we're going to keep going with levels as well. Um, yeah, so right now, it's kind of just at a demo sort of stage. The core mechanics are in there, a little bit of the advanced mechanics, but there's a lot of layers we'd like to keep adding on. And definitely the story just isn't in there at all right now, but there's a whole plan to get a bunch of that in and try and actually build up a world with the game. So have you gotten any interesting feedback thus far? I know you've, the holes have been open for a couple of hours, but has, has anything stuck out to you that you might want to take on board? Uh, just today or in general? In general. Because over the course of this, the game's already evolved a lot. Um, a lot of changes got made over time. We realized we needed to constantly play test, um, especially because it's a co-op game. We constantly need to have pairs of people playing, different pairs of people, just to see how they'd interact with some of the puzzles. Um, just the tutorial even, the wording has changed constantly because sometimes I was being too cheeky and indirect about telling the players what they could and couldn't uh, do with their capabilities. Is it difficult to playtest a game that requires so much cooperation by yourself? I know you were telling me a pretty quirky there, story yeah, earlier. So we actually had to work out a way to beat our own levels as level designers because you couldn't submit a level that couldn't be completed. That's madness. You can't give that to a pair of players and expect them to also be able to somehow magically beat it. Um, so what we would do is we control each character using the keyboard, uh, one hand per character. And in your brain, you'd have to try and keep track of both or find a way to kind of hug them together and then simultaneously control them like exactly the same. Some levels are really hard to do this way. They require two people to cooperate. Other levels, it's actually easier to coordinate just on your own. Yeah, I think I had a co-op partner that I just met at your booth just then, and I think I, he was about to murder me. Yeah, you know, he was just like... <laughs> it brings people together, I promise you. He was just like, you can't make the jump. And I was like, I, I'm trying, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but um, how do you know that a puzzle might be a bit too hard to include in the game? Is It's actually been very tricky because we don't really have a sort of set target audience either. We generally know that the game is kind of meant to be challenging and we want people that are capable of handling that challenge, people that are sort of used to platformers or they can handle platformers a bit more. Um, and it could be difficult to work out the levels balancing because it might be our fault for making it too hard, too overtuned, jumps are too specific. Again, like the one you were talking about, the tutorial level jump, that actually could be tuned down a bit and made slightly uh, shorter, I think, just because of how early on it is. Sometimes it's about where the levels are in the structure though. Um, there needs to be levels that sort of teach you a mechanic or just how to deal with something. And then later on, we bring in like the harder version of that that requires better coordination, better tightness, all that sort of thing. So Matt and Jack, uh, on the subject of like intuitiveness versus design, how do you know something might be like, if it's not intuitive enough or if it might be a mistake on your part? Well, that's actually one of the things we're currently actually working on and we'll actually be posting it to our like community page and stuff soon, is that right now our crystals, which is our primary energy source for the game, uh, we've found that isn't actually as intuitive as we'd like, so we're trying to make it more unique and interesting to incentivize the player to like automatically go towards them and stuff like that. So it's all just like a learning process, like testing process, um, just seeing what how players act uh, in the game environment and adjust accordingly. Now, on a oh. sorry, you go first. Sorry, um, on a design front, when you're like putting together a game mechanic, 
what you need to do is basically have the idea of um, where your logic will go from. So when the and the stepping stones of that logic uh, leading to that end process, we found that, for example, the crystals, and that's why we're iterating on that, we've been examining that logic process and that stepping stones of, oh, that gives me energy, and that's how it gives me energy. Um, there's too much disconnect, and we need to try to bridge that disconnect with our design. So find, when we find problems, that's usually what we would look at um, as a designer and as I, you know, to then find out how we can bridge those disconnects. Um, yeah, I hope that is on the design front anyway. Now, bouncing off that, when it comes to multiplayer games, the one thing that everyone always brings up is the balance of characters versus characters. Now, because you guys have made a multiplayer game, how have you kind of been looking at that? How has balancing your characters been from a game design perspective? Well, balancing is easily one of the hardest parts to our game. Uh, the biggest difference is, is we also have to balance accordingly based on, like, different skill levels. <clears throat> so you have a lot of, like, new players that pick up the game and then they generally have, like, a bit of difficulties just moving the camera around and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> but then, like, one time we did a test where we actually had, like, a pro player who, like, plays competitively on Overwatch and stuff. Uh, he played our game and kind of dominated every single person. Um, so it's actually quite difficult, like, keeping it balanced based on, like, the different types of players and stuff like that. We've also done, like, some catch-up mechanics and stuff like that to kind of keep it balanced. Uh, and a lot of it is just tweaking a lot of different numbers. Um, and also, as I was saying about that kind of design space, it's sort of like a stepping process. You'll have, like, a tiers of, like, where you would have beginner levels as well as intermediate and, like, kind of expert players. And you sort of base... Um, nuances of uh, abilities versus abilities on a basic level and then so forth with the rest, like more complex abilities versus more complex ability or complex combinations. So yeah. For Project Singularity, how have you guys handled difficulty in your game? Because I mean, puzzle games like yours can start off as fairly simple and straightforward and then they can ramp up or sometimes people just throw you in the deep end. How are you guys handling that? We find it's best not to throw people in the deep end. Um, one of our level designers, Anthony, loves to throw people in the deep end into what he made, uh, which is the hardest level in the game called Purgatory. He loves that. Uh, we try not to do that, though. We've tried to build the levels so that, again, like I was saying before, um, there is like an easier version of something beforehand, or there's a simple tutorial that forces you to demonstrate you understand something, or that you are aware that you know that this can be done and this is how to do it. Um, and then we just tried to make sure that we organize them with a bit of a difficulty curve in mind. It, it gets a bit tricky because they get hot swapped around. Uh, but usually we just try to build players up to things. And you'll find that if you try out the game, the demo gets quite hard towards the last chapter. Um, the very last chapter or section of gameplay is only about three levels. And they are the hardest levels in the entire game. They can take a while as both players sort of work out how to deal with the mechanics and how to coordinate to get through them. Um, luckily, our players are not only working together, but they're symmetrical. So it's been kind of easy. We haven't had to go through a lot of the balancing the players stuff. It's more just balancing them versus the world, um, which I'm kind of glad about, because it makes things a little less complex, but still, it can get tricky. So what of your... Are there, is there, are there any player interactions that have stood out to you that you've witnessed, like people playing your game? Oh, 
That's for you, you and Jack. Um, well, you're talking about bugs, uh, or you're talking about actual, like, wanted interactions. Did anybody break a controller of your game? Many times. Yeah. Um, well, we currently have had a problem with Ballista versus Ultimates. Uh, Ballista goes immortal, and when you have other abilities uh, that uh, do instant kill sort of effects multiple times, uh, Ballista kind of goes a little bit spammy. <laughs> So then, like, um, was there anything about, about PAX that really stood out to you? Um, so for PAX, the biggest thing was the crystal things we mentioned earlier. Um, <clears throat> one of the things we noticed was uh, there's, like, one of the characters is, like, a little summoner, and, like, we've come to notice that it, it'll go either one way or another. Uh, this summoner will either, like, just get completely stomped into the ground or completely dominate the game. Um, based on like the players that are playing so players will either let him like free farm like little minions and spawn lots of enemies or everybody just targets them based on like the skill level of the players and if the players have the knowledge of what that character does so uh, one of the things we've interest like that we've noticed is like the different player mindsets and how they interact with the characters is a pretty cool thing to say so how, how important do you find, th how important are events like Perth Games Fest and PAX Indie Rising to you guys? And then, I, uh, is it a great opportunity for you or how do you feel about it? Uh, for us it's actually really good because the big thing that we want to do is build a community. We really just, because we're making, uh, while it's like four player here in the uh, hall, uh, it's also going to be an online game and it's all about having as many players as possible. So yeah, community is the key for us. So getting as many people playing, enjoying the game, giving us feedback so we can improve the game, get more people playing, that's basically great for us. Creating yeah, a well, student project especially, sorry. You continue. Sorry. Yeah, well, it was actually try because we we've got to do uh, online Steam. Um, so you're going to play one player, you're going to be playing up to eight players. We're going to need to have eight players playing relatively at all times so that's why the community building is such an important thing and that's why events like this are like amazing for us um you know without these events without raising awareness about the game and without having people playing the game we're not gonna it's no game to play so oh, are there, is there anything what's next for you guys what's 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 on the horizon well as, as we've said multiple times the main thing is getting the online beta working um yeah, that's that's the biggest thing, to be honest. Got to get that working. A nice little break for maybe a week or two, just to kind of get our heads back together. We really pushed it a little bit, um, and no working breaks. with deadlines is not fun, <laughs> or not such harsh deadlines. Um, but there is a lot more game to be made. Um, again, a lot of that story stuff, I would love to start trying to get that in there. Um, I'd love to try and get the game closer to being able to like send it out to people as a full kind of game. Um, and I'd like to actually try and get a real coda one of these days and get online play happening because local only, co-op game, no single player, kind of hard to give that out to people. They need to have a friend. So what, what would be the first step in getting the online play going? I have no idea. I think it's getting a real coder that knows how to do online-related coding. 
possibly harassing Nick Haslam, my friend who tends to help us out with coding every so often. Have you got any tips, Jack? You said uh, you got some tips. I, I want to give a tip right now that you might want to start on that as early as possible because online has some fun interactions with things and you may have to build the game from the ground up. We went through that experience ourselves. Fact is, I did not know how to code when I started making the game and I, I'm the coder on it for the most part. I think the game could do with some rebuilding anyway, so that's fine. It needs to be cleaned up a bunch. So what was it like learning that new skill just to make a game? Because a lot of people come from a programming background, but you have to develop the skill. It was pretty cool. It was quite stressful at times. Um, you're looking up tutorials online. You don't understand what any of it actually means or why people put little brackets after their functions and such, all this sort of thing. And then you slowly start to actually realize like, how it works. And you start being able to tweak the code that you see other people write and make it work for you and what you want to do. And it's a good feeling. Um, I think the only reason I got away with it is because I basically did nothing but work on this game for the last three months. I treated it like you know, proper development. I was only doing the one class this semester, and that was make the game. Um, so it's been interesting. But I'm not a coder, and I would rather actually have one on the team, if we can help it. Shout out to uh, any coders in the audience. Uh, just hint, hint. But anyway, now both of your games are really interesting and very different in the visual style overall, not just the characters, but the world, the environments, the level design. How did you guys initially decide what you wanted your visual aesthetics of the game to be? Which, I mean, which one do you guys want to go first? You guys are cool, yep. yeah, because yours is really, really colourful and very bright, and I really enjoy that about it. Yeah, uh, well, it's a combination between like level design as well as setting up mood boards and uh, going with like a visual aesthetic like that. Um, we have uh, we thought about the world, and you got robots that are in a non-organic with no water sort of environment planet, um, and then we basically went from there. We got like I like I I did all the like colors and stuff like that, so. I went with a higher color spectrum. I tried to keep it away from greens um, and yellows. I more went with like a combination of like blues to purples to reds. Um, and uh, having that col uh, color spectrum also helps us disassociate it from our current world because in our own environment, we see like a between blues, yellows, greens, and like, uh, you know, browns and that. Um, so, it also, by doing different colours to our own world, that creates this otherworldly sort of feel. Um, and, of course, keeping it a very stylized art, uh, that helps out a lot. It helps with, uh, you know, also we can't produce um, hyper-realistic art content at the present moment because that takes a lot of time and a lot of energy. So, having a nice style um, that helps us make something look good but as well, like, you know, doesn't have to have all the hyper-realistic grittiness to it. Um, in our case, and I'll palm it off to Gus in a moment, he's the actual artist for our game. He did the art, so he can talk about this. Um, but there were three main things that sort of were at the start of the project that we kept in mind for the visuals. Uh, the first one was sci-fi dystopian, um, radioactive acid storms, and sort of black-and-white, abstract-ish characters. So, yeah, um, I remember the pitch uh, the first week, and then 
told exactly what he said there and I remember we got on the train afterwards and then we started talking and I kind of he explained it more to me um, about what's going on with the story and everything and I was thinking to myself I just hijacked the art style for a bit and then I pitched it off to him and he was like yeah this is good we'll, we'll do this way it's much better so yeah that's how it ended up with that and do you want to describe more what the world's about and then how that influenced it uh, yeah, so the concept sort of evolved from an abstract kind of thing. We originally wanted to go with a lot of black and white and like just players having that different perspective. Um, one person's grounds, another person's like background thing. And we started rolling with the sci-fi thing. Gus talked me into going more with the sci-fi and actual something we could have like an actual detailed art style for. So just going with abstract visuals. Um, and we're just trying to get this kind of like sci-fi portal-esque world going uh, with the environments we built. So where did you guys primarily draw your inspiration from? Was it other games, other media types, or just a whole big mixed bag? Like, when you were kind of devising the initial concepts for these games, when it was just a thought in your head, where did you kind of, you know, where are you taking that kind of inspiration from that from? Or was it just kind of suddenly out of the blue, you had an epiphany one day in the shower? A bit half and half, actually. It was an epiphany out of the train on the way to work one day. Um, the other half was a lot of... Um, I'd say Battle Block Theater was a big inspiration just because the whole co-op thing and being able to cooperate but still kind of screw each other over for a giggle. We love that. We went and played it as part of our research. Um, looking more at the art style, we'd look at games like Risk of Rain and try and look at the way they handled things, some of the cheeky stuff they did where they pushed um, some standards with more conventional retro pixel art and just a lot of back and forth trying to find our own sort of where we were comfortable doing things and what looked consistent. And it's still evolving as well. Oh, where did you guys draw inspiration from when you were coming up with the general concept of the game as a whole? Yeah. Um, well, first, actually, our actual uh, coming up with our concept was very deliberate. Um, we actually started off with uh, wanting to make a game that builds a community because we want to continue to make games. Um, and having a community behind us will help us uh, continue to make games. So then we were like, okay, we'll like to probably go with a multiplayer game. Um, and then from there, um, we did a couple of simulations. Um, I actually came, came up with a, a hovering little ball simulation, um, just playing around with ideas. And uh, it actually was pretty fun running into people and just smashing them. Um, so it kind of evolved from that. Um, we were like, hey, let's, let's just make it hovering robots that punch each other in the face because it's kind of working out. <laughs> so for the actual art side of things and where that came from is actually kind of spawned from that because um, we were making like a multiplayer game. We wanted to like capture the idea of like what people would want to look at and enjoy and Obviously, we find a lot of the boring grey-brown games a little bit um, oversaturated. So we actually went with actual saturation, uh, went with a bit more of a vibrant art style to try and like appeal to like a higher variety of people and make it more interesting visually. Also, just to add to that, um, also just creating uh, a game with robots makes it a lot easier on the animation side of things. We, we don't have to worry too much about like soft blending. We can just have like, or, like mechanical movement. Um, and so that, that makes it really easy. And it's an easy thing to get your head around with 
robots that can hover. So, you know, humans that can hover, maybe not so much. <laughs> cool. All right. I think it's about time to wrap up. So before we do that, um, where can we find more information about your titles? Like, for uh, Down that booth right over there where we're actually running the game. I should say, what but... booth numbers are you at? Oh, I actually have no idea, full disclosure. So that one over there. That's all I got. First floor, <laughs> one over there. Um, we are setting up, we are actually starting to set up um, some more solid kind of contact points though. We're going to have a Facebook page soon. Uh, yeah, we're still kind of getting the hang of this. I don't know, Matt, you are, or Jack, you are very practiced at what, I'm about to, what I just asked you. Where do we find your work? Well, you can find us directly opposite the stage at the moment, although we're up here, so we can't help you out. Um, however, we are also at artisangames.com. Uh, we'll have the online beta sign up and that stuff there. There's also links to our Facebook community page and business page. Uh, we also each have a Twitter account. Uh, mine is Jack underscore Gem, I believe. Might just be Jack Gem, I'm not sure. And then Matt's uh, Matt JS at Artisans. Yeah, and that's yeah. Um, but the easiest way to find us, I would strongly suggest go to artisangames.com. You'll find it straight away. We're at the top of the link, and then from there, it's got basically beta signups and then all our information. It's pretty straightforward. Cool. All right. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, yeah, we have been PixelSiv. You can find all our stuff on pixelsiv.com.au or just searching PixelSiv in pretty much anything. That's Are you about sieved, to correct me? Yeah. Sieved. It's yep. very important. And thanks for having us as well, by the way. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, PixelSiv. Uh, yeah. Thank you so, so much. much guys. We'll see you later.